Welcome and thanks for joining the Let's Talk Digital Marketing Podcast. Join host Mike Sharp of mikesonlineacademy.com as he shares valuable insights and advice, helping you to become digitally inspired. That's here on the Let's Talk Digital Marketing Podcast. So, Josh, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Mike. From sunny or not so sunny Florida. Yeah, it's uh, we. It's funny. We get like rain almost every single day, but uh, it is not that like gloomy rain where it looks like gray outside. It's more like you can still see the sun out there. So it's it's funny. Even when it's pouring rain, you, like it's kind of light outside still. So, but yeah, yeah, we're getting a lot of storms right now. Yeah, it was quite gloomy over here. So I think I'd prefer your your scenario yeah it, it is that's why i like it because even when it's bad weather it's still better than a lot of places <laughs> yeah yeah and, and you're the ceo of the email agency yes got that right yeah yep. and well basically just like why are you concentrating on email in particular because a lot of people there's a meme isn't it like email is dead that's, that comes out every so often. I don't believe that. Right. Believe that at all. Um, but what was your journey into email and how, is, you know, how have you become an email specialist? Okay. Well, there's actually a, this is a two-part answer because um, there's, you know, a few things I, I would say about this. First, just to answer, you, you kind of asked like why a concentration on email. And I think, um, you know, aside from me being pretty passionate about it, which I'll I'll get to in a second, I think it's for any business really, you know, I focus on businesses that sell online, but any business, your list of people is your main source of traffic. And it's like, it's the, it's the traffic that you own as a business. So it's an asset of your company. So um, if you have an email list, then marketing to that email list is uh, a bit different than, you know, going out and and advertising on a, a mainstream channel, whether it be Facebook or YouTube or Google, or even like television, radio, those are all like one to many channels where you're sort of sending a message out to a broad audience and you're looking for new people who maybe haven't heard of you yet. Uh, but email is different because email, you're talking to the people who already know who you are and they've signed up to hear from you. So um, we call it, you know, your back end, essentially. It's whereas everything else that I just mentioned would be your front end. Um, but what's cool about email is it's more direct. It's not meant to be like a one to many channel. It's more of, on, of a one to one. Um, so I think that that's really powerful in marketing to to be able to talk one to one uh but it's also really really fun uh and and i think it's a an important part of marketing but it's it's something that a lot of companies don't understand they don't really know how to do it effectively and they sort of treat it the same as all the other ways of advertising and it is different and so it does have to be treated a certain way so we have found a i think a need in the marketplace and a space where we can um, you know, be the email experts and, um, you know, specialize in that and help brands who 
you know, haven't really been, you know, getting the most out of that channel. Um, but my journey is, uh, you know, I'll give you the short version, but how I got into it is a bit weird because I was, uh, go back about 10 years, I was in college, uh, I was uh, about, you know, 21 years old, and uh, I was studying at a university up in New Jersey, where I'm originally from. And I was in school for hospitality, which was like uh, where I lived and where I went to school. There's a lot of casinos and hotels near there. Um, so I thought I wanted to go into that field. I always thought it would be cool to own a casino. Um, I didn't really realize like that the hospitality field was not really that. It was very different. But anyway, so sort of accidentally got into this because what happened was um, I was looking for help with a problem and it's a little personal but I'll, I don't mind sharing so I was uh struggling a little bit with uh I'll just say dating and uh meeting women and and uh you know uh, finding a girlfriend so I you know would go out with my friends at all you know my friends in college we would go out to these different parties like fraternity parties and I would be the guy like all my friends would kind of go out and immediately start you know hooking up with different women um, and I would be sort of the guy standing there on the sidelines, kind of shy and not knowing what to say, like scared to even go approach. So that was sort of who I was at that time. So I, I did what I thought was a, a good idea, which was I went on the Internet and searched for help with this, you know, help with, you know, getting over fear of approach and, and getting over, you know, fear of talking to girls. And I found this newsletter this email newsletter and it was called dating advice daily and it was a free newsletter and you sign up for it and every single day this guy who was 24 years old and you know was known as being you know great at this in this area and he would send emails with advice every single day so i joined the newsletter and every day i'm reading this and you know it started working i started having uh you know a lot more uh confidence and things like that and so he would sell different programs to his list. And so he wrote an ebook um, and he sold the ebook for $97, I think it was. And so I bought that. So I know I said long story short. So basically what I didn't realize was I was starting to learn digital marketing right then and there. I didn't had mm. no idea, but I stayed on this guy's list for a while. Fast forward a couple of years from there, I end up going to law school here in Florida because I was sort of, um, you know, disenfranchised with the hospitality thing. I didn't want to do that. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my career, except for the fact that I had always wanted to have my own business. Um, and so sort of buying time, I went to law school. And it was while I was in law school and I, I was continuing to read this newsletter and I started joining other newsletters and I started learning about digital marketing and specifically email marketing. So to bring it back around, when my brother and I decided to start this business, um, as I was graduating law school and he was graduating college and we decided to not do what we had studied and start this business, we saw this need where a lot of the brands and companies that sell online were not using the type of email marketing that we had learned and had been studying for a couple of years at that point, which is you know, direct response email marketing. And we had learned all these things and we knew like we could help these companies because they weren't using it. So I know I went on for a few minutes there, but 
kind of a convoluted way of, of coming back around to it. But like that is, you know, that's just the truth of how I got into this. It's not what you'll hear from most digital marketing people. Um, but I think there are a lot of people out there that maybe don't know what they want to do with their careers and they're trying to figure it out. And sometimes, you know, happy accidents are sort of the best way for that to come about. Wow. Yeah. So you were a consumer first and yes. then very much spam, <laughs> and that led you to digital uh, to email marketing and digital marketing. Yes. Because uh, it's interesting you talk about uh, building relationships mm -hmm. with email and yep. email has got a bit of a reputation for for you know selling mm -hmm. rather than building relationships or spamming people right so yeah. what would what would your advice be for somebody who is building an email list and sending out emails uh, about their their product or, or service so I think that it is um, just to sort of the first thing you said there about sort of the reputation. I think it's unfortunate, but important for everybody to to, to think about this. Um, it's unfortunate that email has a bad reputation because I think it's been as a channel or as a medium, it has been abused over time. Um, and people have used it for spam they've used it to just you know even not really respect when you know spam is one thing that's like people who have they don't want to hear from you but um putting that aside you have people who do want to hear from different companies and brands and they sign up but then people kind of abuse that relationship where all they do is just send one sale email after the next after the next um and and I'm talking about emails that really offer no value, right? Other than here's a coupon, here's an offer, buy this now, shop now, whatever. And it's very, you know, absent any kind of help for that person or any value other than trying to get them to buy. So I think when you do that and that's all you do, I think that's abuse to, to the people who signed up to hear from you. Because when people sign up to an email list, they are they may want a discount or something when they sign up, right? Because if you offer them a discount, they may sign up because they want to get the discount. But what they really want is they want help. They want they want um, help with some problem, right? And so you go back to what I said about how I had a problem. I want to help with dating. And I looked until I found someone who I felt like could help me when I received an email every single day from from this newsletter, every single day, the email did give me advice, and it was helping me. Um, sometimes it would tell a story and that story would help me. So no matter what you're selling, what you have to realize is you aren't selling a commodity, even if you sell I mean, take the classic example, even if you sell a pen, <laughs> it's not a commodity. You're still helping solve a problem. What is that problem? Um, you know, I don't want to get into that and go down that exercise, but, uh, you, you know, you're, you're helping someone who is, you know, has a job or a career and they, uh, you know, they, they need to be able to get their thoughts out on paper. Okay. To, to try to get into the exercise, but, um, 
my my point is anyone who has an email list, the advice is think about what problem you're solving uh, or what problem you could potentially be solving for the people on your list and understand that it's your job to provide some sort of value. Um, that's why we open emails. That's why we do engage is because you are giving me something in that email and it could be purely entertainment. That's actually the best way to do it is if, and there are brands who do this really well, if your email is entertaining, if it tells some sort of story, or maybe it's funny, you know, maybe there's a joke in there or a pun or something that I, I can laugh at, um, or, you know, just some sort of entertainment that is super valuable. But what you have to realize is do something other than sell and then sell, like learn direct response. Uh, and that's, you know, if you've never heard of direct response, or if you're not really sure, maybe you've heard of it, you don't know how to do it. It's sort of a, you know, it's, it's one thing to sit here as a direct response marketer and say, learn direct response. It's not necessarily an easy thing. It takes practice, but what it means is you can sell in your emails without it seeming like you're selling. Like it's, it's very much um, a relationship sort of thing. And you're more like a, a friend who is giving advice to someone and, and that advice may include buying their, their products. So I don't know if that answered your question. I hope so though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like a, a sales letter would be kind of a sales letter, but obviously an engaging one that tells a story. It can be for sure. Um, but it doesn't have to like you can have a direct response email that is, um, you know, pretty, pretty short, pretty like on point, And it is selling a product, right? You might have a promotional email that is um, really just, you know, selling this coffee mug uh, and I'm giving you, you know, 10% off this coffee mug today, but that email can still come across in a way where I'm using um you know, I'm using certain, um, you know, a conversational style in the email that is not the same thing as just showing a picture of the mug and saying 10% off, here's what the mug is, here's its features, click here to buy it now. Yeah. You know, that can work sometimes. And I'm not saying never do that, but I am saying there are ways to, instead of doing that, sort of talk about you know, the, the benefits of this mug to your particular person or to uh, even just very simply talk conversationally in an email like you would if you were talking to a friend rather than just, you know, as if I'm looking at some advertisement in a magazine. Yeah, yeah. yeah because there are retargeting emails, which I guess would be more more to do with selling something. Like yeah, it's, it's a, a website and they, they get an email saying, you know, you 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 uh, abandoned the car. Right. This. Yes. That's something different. Yes. Yeah. But that yeah. can be but that's still okay. Right. Yeah. And and um yeah, abandoned card emails are a great example because they are usually they're pretty short emails that are just trying to get you to return your cart. Um, but what we try to do with abandoned card emails excuse me, is make them just a little more interesting than the average. Like there's something in there that is 
more entertaining or something in there that speaks to sort of the benefit of shopping at our store, or maybe it speaks to, you know, the, the problem that our brand is trying to solve that you probably have if you're, you know, if you added this item to your cart, um, there's something in there that is of a, what we would call a direct response uh, element to that email where it is still, um, I'd say, a, a just a, a little more effort than the typical, you know, here's your item in your cart, click here to return the cart. You know what I mean? Because people get, we're in a world right now where consumers are more sophisticated. They are bombarded with marketing all the time. Uh, they sign up for emails uh, very easily because they know, we, we've been conditioned to know if we sign up for an email list, I'm going to get a discount. I'm going to get some sort of deal. Um, and that's fine. But if you want to stand out, you know, you, you can choose not to stand out. You can be a part of the noise and be like everybody else out there. You just won't make as much money as you could. Um, and you won't have as much of an impact as you could as a company. But if you want to stand out, if you want to have a, a bit more impact, and if you want to make more money than the average, then you do need to put in just a little bit more effort into this aspect of your marketing because, uh, again, it's the thing that is so ignored. It's the thing that people don't like. They, they There's a stigma around it. Um, so we can fix that by just paying a little bit more attention and being a little bit more, I, I guess, em um, empathetic as marketers to what that person on the other end is experiencing. It's about creating a good experience for them at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, that, that, make, that makes complete sense. I mean, would you say there's a, a maximum amount of times that you would email somebody in, would you, is there, uh, there's probably no real answer to this question, uh, really, but is there, is there kind of like a recommended amount of times you would email somebody in a week? Yeah, like how much, day, is too much right? Even? <laughs> is, <laughs> there an, is, that, is there an answer to that question? Or does it yeah, depend? I think it does depend. Um you know what's funny? Like sometimes I'll I'll tell you the one that like here's where you can get into trouble with it is uh if you're sending an email on a pretty regular basis, meaning I mean maybe you're sending, say you are sending every day one email, right? But then you also have all these different automated uh email sequences. So you've got your, you know, welcome automation, your abandoned cart, your post purchase. Um, you know, win bet like different ones going all the time where where you can get into trouble. Sometimes people will like email in and say, hey, you're emailing me way too much. And a lot of times it'll be because you don't have the proper filters set up. And this is a technical thing, but in your like email software, you don't have the, the right filters in there to make sure that people who get this email don't get this other email because yeah. you need pay attention to that because sometimes you'll have people and you'll realize when they email you and say, Hey, I got five emails from you in the last 48 hours. And you're like, what, how? And then you look and you're like, Oh no, they they're in like two different automations at the same time. And they got my campaign. Um, so that's something to pay attention to. That's like the line that you try not to cross. And, um, you know, I'll admit, I mean, we are uh, experienced in this area and, uh, you know, we've we've worked with uh, directly done email marketing for somewhere around like 50 companies at this point. And we've 
uh, done email strategies for over 100. I think it's like 115 at this point, something like that. Um, this still happens from time to time. I hate that when that happens. You, It's like it's less, but like every once in a while, you'll find, you know, somebody on, on an account will be like, oh, I forgot that filter somewhere. And it's like, uh, how did that happen? And then you just got to deal with that. Um, try not to let that happen though. Um, in a typical week though, in terms of campaigns, it does depend on the, on the brand because, you know, it's, it, I don't say everyone should email every single day, but I will say, 90% of companies should build up to the point where they are sending one email a day. Um, and there are brands, there are companies who can get away with sending a lot more email. Uh, one of the uh, most infamous people for this is Grant Cardone. Uh, and, and it, you know, maybe he's not, maybe you think he's nothing like your business, right? He's, he's a guru, right? He's a, he's a guy that teaches real estate and sales and marketing and all this stuff. Um, but you know, he is known for this and I've been on his email list for years and some days I'll get like eight emails from Grant Cardone in the same day. But the thing is, I'm, I, and I don't read most of them, but I don't unsubscribe either because every once in a while, I'll see one that catches my attention. It'll be a really good email. And they're all good emails. That's the thing. He sends so much. Um, his company sends so many emails, but they're all interesting. They're all very valuable. Um, so he can get away with that. And, and the why, because he's built up to that and he's been doing that for many years. So I think you don't go from zero to a hundred. You don't, if you're not sending much email, you don't start sending every single day. Um, but I think, you know, in general, every brand should be sending a minimum of a few times a week. And if you're not doing that, you, you really want to start. It's important to be consistent because it's, you're going to get more resistance and more unsubscribes if you're inconsistent and you, don't send a lot of email. And then all of a sudden when you have a sale or some kind of event going on, now you're sending all kinds of email. That's where you're going to get into trouble. It's better to be consistent, send a few times a week, and then gradually over time, send more because you can. Like once people are engaged and they're used to hearing from you, you can increase that amount. You can start sending five times a week and then you can get up to the point where there's basically one email a day on most days. Um, and you won't get a ton of unsubscribes and there won't be people complaining because you've sort of built up to that point and you're, you know, it's, it's, uh, respectful at that point to do that. Um, but always just keep in mind, like, you know, think of it from their side. Like if you are sending emails that are sort of just, you know, like I said, if they're, if they look, all look like a, you know, a billboard advertisement or an ad out of a magazine and there's not much to them. No one wants that every day, you know? Um, so think about from your user's perspective, you know, what what does this look like? And is this helpful to them? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm on Grant's uh, email list too. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, but, yeah. but I've never unsubscribed. Exactly, I've yeah. I've actually bought his products from email. Yes, it's been a while, but I have as well. And, and um, so, would you say that a good strategy would be to reverse engineer emails? Like, if you subscribe maybe to some companies that were similar to your niche, 
and then see what they do and then maybe change or use it for inspiration? Definitely use it for inspiration, I would say. Um, would I reverse engineer it? Maybe. Um, it's funny. I think my my brother, who's who's um, you know more in charge of the creative here uh, at my agency, he may have a different answer if you ask him. But uh, I think the thing with reverse engineering is you have to be careful because you don't always know what they're doing and why. So I'll give you an example, like sometimes brands will for like black friday's coming up black friday and cyber monday is coming up fast and brands will sometimes look at what their competitors are doing and try to copy that um and try to yeah try to reverse engineer it and do the same thing and that's not always a good idea you know a lot of times it's not a good idea because they may be doing something that is has worked for them for a certain reason and they they may have done something before that like if if you are and you'll understand this the more you do email you your program your email program your email um campaigns and and sort of like everything that you send there's a history there so there's you know uh years of of this this asset <clears throat> existing in your company that you've really worked on um, and you have learned what works well for your audience and every audience is different. This is why, you know, I love email marketing so much, but, but it's also very challenging because, um, you know, every company that we work with, it's very hard for us to have like, you know, with, if, if we were an SEO agency or like some agencies, I feel like can really get like this sort of template in place and sort of repeat it over and over and over and over again. Um, and the process works the same pretty much every time. And, and maybe not, I don't want to overgeneralize, but I think a lot of people maybe look at agency work that way. Um, and what, with email, it's so hard to do that because every business is so different and you have to, um, you have to have custom solutions and you have to have custom, you know, ways of doing things with email marketing. So that's what I, I'm trying to say is like, you can't always reverse engineer what your competitors are doing or other people in your space because you don't know everything about why they're doing what they're doing and why it works for their audience. And even if they are in your same space, their audience might be very different uh, than your audience. So you have to build this history over time and, and learn who your audience is and learn what works best for them. Um, however, yes, definitely you can get inspiration from what you see other people doing and you should. And, and uh, that's the work, right? That's the process of being creative in marketing is you get inspired by other things and you sort of put these things together in your mind. You know, you take something you learned from this brand, something you learned from this person that maybe is outside of your niche, outside of your industry. I love doing this. Like I take inspiration from movies. I take inspiration from shows. Um, and then I combine it with stuff I see in marketing and stuff I see, you know, in, in, in different competitors doing different companies. Um, and those things come together in your brain and then you create something new out of those things. Um, so definitely take inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. And would you say using AI would be a good idea when you're creating email content? Um, I will say this about it. <clears throat> I am not the best person to answer that question because I feel like I'm behind in the sense that I have not 
personally, I haven't dove into the AI world the way a lot of people have. And actually, everyone on my team, I have a small, it's a, we're a small agency. Our team is uh, nine people. So there's eight others besides me. I think every single one of them is way more well-versed in AI than me. They use it. I, I mean, we have email specialists who use AI to create emails um, in, I, in combination with their own skills and, and their writing and stuff, but they'll sometimes use it to help with a specific, you know, GPT-4 to help with a specific part of an email or a certain problem that they're having, you know, a hard time figuring out, they'll actually be using it. And I know like now it can read pictures. Um, it's like the latest update or whatever that it, it can actually look at a picture and help. And so I know uh, one of our, email specialist who's been with us for a long time, Chris, he uh, was just sending me some things about it and saying, you know what we can do with this. And, and I'm just like, I haven't done it yet. Um, I think AI is is huge. And I think we're just at, at the very early stages of it. Um, I like using it for like, sometimes what I'll do is if I'm writing an email or like, uh, not necessarily an email, but like sometimes I'll do uh, content or even a um, a cold email because we do cold email when we're uh, like reaching out to to other companies and and wanting to tell them about our services. So I'll write an email and then I'll go to GPT four and say um, write this in the voice of Don Draper from Mad Men uh, just to see what it would you know how it comes out. Uh, and I think it's it's entertaining and <laughs> it's uh, sometimes you get some cool ideas. I would I I've never at least and I don't. Like I'm not an authority on it, like I said, but like I've never taken something and like used it word for word from the AI because I feel like it always needs some work. Um, but it, it can definitely help. That's the answer. I'm just, I just always feel like I'm sort of behind the times. Have you found it to be like helpful in what you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I work in the Google Ads, right? Meta Ads space. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's very useful for as 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 you say. I don't. Uh, use all the copy and all the suggestions that it gives but it definitely helps right. especially when you're having trouble with something and you need some maybe just a bit of a kick yeah exactly get the get the, get the ideas flowing it definitely right. helps with i i wanted and to get to the point what's that and also technically as well like uh i'm not i'm not a coder right okay. so it's good for you know, like formulating code if needed. Okay, I can do that. Okay, that's what I was just going to say. See, that's the thing is like, to me, the thing that I would want to use it for is that stuff, like the technical things. Um, like if it can get to the point where the AI can actually like set up the campaign correctly, you know, do the coding if there's coding involved and then like send the email, that would be great. <laughs> I feel like that would be a great use for AI. Um, not just the creative side. I mean, do you have a, a platform that you prefer, an email client that um, you find good yes. for? Yes. For, for... Most of our clients, uh, we use Klaviyo because they're e-commerce. Um, and uh, for me personally, like my email list, I use Active Campaign just because it's one that I've used for a long time and it's, I have a small email list, less than, excuse me, less than a thousand people. So I just use that, but um, mm. yeah. 
that's interesting. Do you have any thoughts on uh, Mailchimp and those? Those generally, I don't like Mailchimp. Um, I'll admit I haven't used it in years, so I haven't used it since it was bought by Intuit. But um, <clears throat> the last time I used it was like for anything uh, was probably 2019. Um, I don't. I just think that it it's probably good for like if you're just getting into email marketing and, and you're you you have a list and you're starting i think it's good i just um have gotten away from it because i i don't know the interface was never super like friendly to me um so uh, i have nothing like big against it it's just it's not my preferred um i kind of categorize it with like a weber uh some of the ones that have been around quite a while uh you know, they're, they're good to sort of start off, but maybe they don't have the best features for like everything that I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have any tips on subject lines? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I pride myself on, I think I have good subject lines. Um, so there's different types of subject lines and, and, uh, the one that that I use the most would, I guess, be curiosity, meaning like a lot of times um, I will I will use a subject line that isn't immediately obvious what the email is about, um, but it's something from the email that you would have to open it to really understand like what the context is behind the subject line. So sometimes it'll be like a pull quote or it'll be like a... Um, you know, uh, I, I guess to give advice though on a subject line is is this like simple is better. If you're trying to get your email opened, um, simple is better. I think that the hardest thing to to do these days in a subject line, if you want to get it opened, is uh, to use you know something along the lines of like get our get our latest. October deals or something like that. Like that's just not it's too generic. Um boring. Yeah. And it's and it's too similar to you're gonna see a lot of that. This this you're gonna see a bunch on Halloween. I know I'm gonna see, I mean, I can count probably it would take uh, a little while to count up all the emails I'm gonna get that say are spooktacular deals. <laughs> right. Um, enough of that, <laughs> you know. Um, so what do we do? I mean, I always tell this story about subject lines. There's the most famous and most successful subject line of all time is one word. Hey, that was it. And that was uh, actually sent by Barack Obama during his initial like presidential campaign. And I guess it would have been, been 20, 2008 or something like that. Um, and it was just a, a note from him asking for donations and it made something crazy like $750 million or some, it's like the most successful email of all time. You can look it up. I don't know. Don't quote me on the numbers, but it's some crazy amount. And the subject line was just, Hey, um, and sometimes I'll even use that subject line <laughs> when I'm in some of my emails and it always does get like super high open rate because again, it's personal it's direct. It's just one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and also I don't know what the email is about and I want to see. Um, so I will, me personally, I love using curiosity in the subject line. 
Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's a short phrase or a couple of words or a sentence that has something to do with something in the email, but it's not immediately obvious what that is. Um, so that, that'd be my advice. Sure. Sure. One thing that has changed over the last few years is mobile. Yeah. I believe a lot of emails now are accessed via mobile device. Mm -hmm. Does that influence how you should write an email? Um, well, I think not exactly. I mean, I, I think it, other than the fact that you should always test your, your emails um, and make sure it looks good on mobile. Um, so like whenever I send an email, I'm, I really am testing it for mobile. I don't even really bother to check it on desktop. Maybe that's not a best practice. And I'm not talking about for my clients. I don't do the the emails for my clients anymore, but I'm talking me for my list. Yeah. Um, I check every email that I'm about to send out to my email list. I uh, open it on my phone in, in an email account that's uh, you know specific for these kinds of things. And I, I just look to make sure it looks good on my phone. Um, so I think that in that respect yes um but does that mean your emails should be shorter no not necessarily um they can be you know but um usually the length of the email doesn't matter it's more you know is what you're saying valuable i mean ev everything in the email should have a purpose and it should have some sort of value to it um i guess there is like if you are coding an email I think there's more to worry about. Um, and, you know, we do some of that in our agency for our clients, but we tend to make everything still pretty simple. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times what you would see people do with code and email can be accomplished just using a drag and drop builder on the email platform. And you're going to get better delivery than you will with a hard-coded email, which is going to probably go to the promotions tab, if not spam. Um, and it's just harder because you have to do all kinds of checks to make sure it's going to look render right on every device. That That's one thing. And there are agencies who specialize in that and they have, you know, 20 coders on their team and, and QA people. And all they do is figure out, you know, how is this going to look on every device? To me, that's not essential. And, you know, if you if you have a good, you can make a good looking, you know, eye catching email using a builder on a platform like Clavio, and it's going to look great across every device because they've designed their software that way. And you don't have to worry about that. Um, always check, though, for sure. Always check. Yeah, yeah, that's good advice. Um, would you say, is there such a thing as a a spam word like you see people uh they the word free for example yeah. is written with a asterisk yeah. inside it sometimes to try and hide it from the spam filters is that yeah. does that work or is that just a well it would have any effect it it definitely um there are spam words yes um there are words that can trigger spam filters um at our agency we have like a few different resources that all of our our people have which is like a list of all the words that you should be careful about that said you can overcome that by having a you know really good reputation with 
excuse me, a really good like sender reputation with the different ISPs. Um, you know, all the different email clients, meaning like Google, Apple Mail, you know, um, you know, uh, Outlook, all the different, um, you know, where you're going to read your email. Uh, and this is a different conversation. We don't have to go down this rabbit hole, but there are all kinds of, you know, components to having good deliverability. And if you work on your deliverability and you build a good reputation with those different providers, then you can get away with using certain words that other people can't. Um, and you may be able to use the word free in a, even in a subject line and still hit the inbox. Um, but that's, you know, the product of having good deliverability. It's, it's not like, so, so yes, like if you, in general, you, you should be aware that there are certain words and you'd be surprised sometimes, like some of the words, um, that's why it's, it's like, you always kind of have to test. And, and, and I, I say this a lot, but, but before you send an email, you should have different, um, mail accounts that you've had for this purpose where you've signed up, you know, you're, you're, you've got a, a standard Gmail account, a standard, uh, Hotmail account, a standard Apple account, and you've signed up to different email lists on there. Um, but you don't really open emails on there. You just go to the inbox to check and basically you see where does it go when you test this email and you can see if it goes to spam and you, you don't want it to go to spam. Obviously, there are tools that allow you um, to check. Glock apps is the one that that we use and that, that I recommend. Um, basically, it'll do this work for you where you can just send the email to the software and it'll show you a whole bunch of information on where it goes, what filters it triggers, what words it'll highlight for you if there's certain words that you should probably remove or change. Um, if there's problems with the code, it'll tell you those things. Um, so it is, uh, there's a lot to deliverability. Overall, a, a spammy email is an email that sounds super salesy. Um, and it's, you know, but you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much into it. Like, don't worry about if you're just a business owner that has a small email list and you're doing this yourself and you're just, you know, sending emails, getting started, or maybe you're not just getting started, but you just send to a small list. Don't worry about this yet. I mean, you could spend a lot of time on this. And, and the truth is that like around um, certain holidays, even using the name of the holiday in the email will trigger spam because that's how crazy it's gotten these days with the, the different email platforms. So um, don't worry too much about it. But if you do have a big email list, uh, that's why it's good sometimes to work with uh, somebody, whether it's, you know, an agency or just like somebody in your on your team that knows email, somebody who can do this work for you of, of making sure that your emails are going to, you know, hit the inbox and if they're really good, the primary main inbox of your users and not the promotions tab. Yeah, 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 that's, that, is, uh, that does make sense. I mean, to me, having an email list and having a website, they're two, they're two assets that you own. Mm -hmm. uh, Google, Facebook, you don't, we don't own those, those platforms. They can kick you off, you know, yeah, if they right. want to, but your right. email list is yours isn't it right. and that's why i love what you do because it shows that um you know email still works and it's you've got you've got more control over 
email than you have over other platforms. Right. I mean, and you can you can build that asset. You know, over time, you you grow that list and you you put the effort in and the time into uh, creating a good, valuable email program and then selling things to that list. So then over time, you know how much each person on that list is worth on average. Um, and you know, if somebody signs up to my list, you know, they're worth X amount of dollars to me. And this tells me so much. Now I know if I spend Y to acquire a customer, but then I'm going to make back X through the email list when they join. Now I have a business. I can I can figure out how much profit I can make. And that's really, really good if you ever want to sell your company. Um, that's, you know, build that value of that asset and that's going to factor into what your company is worth. So that's why it's people that think email is dead or, you know, they just don't worry about it. Like they're really missing out on a huge, like they don't really understand um, sort of a fundamental part of, of the business online is like that email list is an asset. You're right. It's very similar to just your website. It is an asset that you own. Um, and so you want to work on building that value and, and, you know, even though it's not a perfect science, putting a, a real dollar value on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now for crunching gear change with some, yeah. uh, some fun, funnish questions. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so I think I read somewhere or heard somewhere that you were, were you a musician or you magician, musician? Magician, like uh, magic. Oh, no, musician, as in like guitar player, rock concert. Yeah, rock no, musician. not that. Yeah, no, not a musician, but I was a magician for a long time. Oh, maybe that's what it was. I misheard. Yeah. So you were yeah. a magician. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. Do you have any, well, do you have any favorite tricks? <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to do them now, but. It'd be hard to explain it, but yes. Um, yeah, I did. I did that. Um professionally for a number of years uh but i was i was young I, I did it i started when i was in high school when i was 15 um and then i did that throughout um throughout high school and then i did it in college and then a little bit when i was in law school and then when i um finished law school i kind of did a, a couple last shows and then i put it to the side so i could do this business and i do plan to go back to it eventually um because it's a it's so much fun. Um, but I'm not, you know, I was pretty good, but I wasn't, I, I would never consider myself at the level of like the magicians that you, you know, get famous and stuff like that. Um, but I, uh, yes, favorite trick. It's more like, um, I, I love like close up magic. So like I would, um, I used to get hired by restaurants where, if it was a busy restaurant and they have like a long wait and, and stuff, I would go around to like the people waiting and then the people like at their table while they're waiting for food or, you know, waiting to order whatever. And I would go in for uh, just a small, you know, you know, effect, I call it not really a trick, but yeah, like something I can show them close up um, whether it be like something with a, a dollar bill or, you know, uh, cards or coins or something. And, uh, just something that's like right in front of their face so that they like it blows their mind uh th that's kind of the stuff I would do yeah wow can you do the saw someone in half trick yeah. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> I did. I did used to do some stage uh, stuff. I did a few like on stage shows, but they were more like comedy. Um, I I used to I got into stand up for a little bit as well, and just did like comedy magic on stage. Um, so I didn't have any big like illusions or anything. I never had all that equipment. Yeah, illusions, yeah, yeah, that's what. Yeah. yeah, like Harry Houdini. Yeah, who's a great inspiration. But yeah, it's um. And it's funny, there is actually a connection between that and what I do now, which is, you know, direct response is all about sort of just like having this direct connection with people. And that's what magic was about too, like, and is about, um, is, you know, it's a performance art and it's about sort of creating this thread between you and the other person that you're doing the, the magic for. Um, and I see that same like thing coming across in marketing and what I do today. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that there's probably some connection there. Yeah. Uh, do you ha have a favorite um, meal that you go for when you go out for a special meal? Um. So. Want to cook something nice? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like, I, so I recently did a lot of traveling, as I was telling you, like around the country. And one thing I've learned is like, I'll eat differently depending where I am. So. Um, it's hard to answer like my favorite food of all time. I grew up near Philadelphia. I, I grew up in New Jersey near Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So I love a good cheesesteak. Um, but I don't, I don't, you know, I'll only do that if I'm back in that area. Right. Uh, same thing with pizza. Like I love pizza, but I'll only get a pizza if I'm in New Jersey or if I'm in like that region, because it's not the same elsewhere. So when I'm in Florida, um, I, I usually do a lot more dieting. I eat a lot of fish. Uh, we have great, uh, you can get great fish anywhere around here. Sushi is awesome. Um, and I would say the, the other thing, um, I guess tacos, I, probably my favorite meal, like overall in general would be tacos. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, and what would you say was your, your favorite book? Yeah, I've been thinking about this one because I knew you were going to ask me this. And it's really hard for me to pinpoint a favorite book. Um, so I would say that like fiction, um, I used to love Stephen King. I used to read a lot of Stephen King books. And there's a book called From a Buick 8. It's one of his lesser known books. And I read it when I was in high school. And I still to this day would say that's probably like the one that stands out. Um, these days, though, I read more like, you know, business type books or books that would help me, um, you know, in, in just business and life. Um, and I would say probably Robert Greene's books, like The 48 Laws of Power, um, is an amazing, amazing book uh, that like, if you read that, you'll see that everywhere, like all the different like power influence stuff you'll see everywhere. Um, and then just one more that I, I do want to mention for your audience, if they haven't read, I have this right next to me, um, Essentialism by uh, Greg McCune. It is, uh, you ever hear this book? Read this? No, no. Um, highly recommend if you're going to read one book in the next year do this one you can even i always do audio books these days but um it basically helps you to see how like most of the things you do during the day are non-essential they're not like they're basically like if you if you learn this this 
way of life called essentialism, you are really focusing on on less things, but you're doing them better. Um, so it shows you how to cut out all of the stuff in your life that that are kind of it's it's and it it is to do with like doing more of what you want to and like what you enjoy um and not having to just get pulled in a bunch of directions because you feel like you have to um but it's that book i would say like i read that uh in 2022 like so almost two years ago now like beginning of 2022 that book has changed my life. I, I operate differently just from, from learning the concepts in that book. So I would say that's like my new favorite book these days. Wow. That's a good recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite quote that you live your life by? Or just a favorite quote? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, this isn't necessarily my favorite quote, but it's the one that's coming to mind because uh, it's it's meant stuff to me lately. Uh, and it's by a mentor of mine. He said, what you resist persists. So, and I've like taught this to clients recently too, because basically what it's saying is like, there's always going to be stuff going on in your life that you feel this resistance towards. And the more that you resist it, the more that you like feel this tension, it's going to keep happening or it's going to keep bothering you. It's going to keep being a problem. But when you accept it and you just like let it go and say, like, I totally embrace this thing that I've been resisting, then it evaporates. Mm. And it's weird, too, because you'll see this work. It's like a law of nature, like it, for example, if there's something where like, like I had, a, I'll give you a client example. They, they had this thing going on where they kept losing team members where like every time I talked to them, someone else quit or someone else had like a, an emergency and they had to not, you know, they can't work anymore or they had to let someone go. And this kept happening. I told them this quote and they said, that's really crazy because we've been like, super stressed about people leaving and you're right like it keeps happening so then they tried it and they stopped like they were like all right we're just gonna embrace it and then it stopped <laughs> it yeah. stopped oh, it was yeah. weird but yeah so that's the quote yeah you kind of like just let it happen and it yeah you you get prepared for it to happen it doesn't happen yeah just um, accept everything that's yeah, that's yeah. the other side of that basically yeah interesting yeah. and have you got any plans like in the future like all um plan, yeah plans for the business yeah i mean a lot of stuff i mean we're we are trying we really want to grow i mean we are still a pretty small company um my our biggest thing is we want to be a seven figure business within the next year i think we can because we're, yeah. we're mid six figures right now and and it's just about focus and and really like buckling down and scaling so like i just told i told you how we did a, a lot of travel um my brother and i did like around the, the country this past summer um because summers are horrible here in florida so like if you can get out it's great but we decided that for the next year we are buckling down and staying here and just working um and we're gonna have social lives here but i mean like we're gonna just focus on growing the business so the plan is we want to have um a lot more clients uh we've got like 
it depends on how you count it between because we have consultant clients, we have uh, you know done for you agency clients. Um, we've got several different ways we're doing our work now, but basically we, we want to get it up to like in that like 50 client range somewhere in there uh, within the next year. And we want to be, you know, in the seven figure range and, and we want to have a team that's bigger. We want to like double the size of our team. Um, and then we plan on moving uh, out west to like the Phoenix Scottsdale area and sort of establishing a hub there. And I love Florida. Um, and I love where, where we are now. And, and I probably wouldn't like let this go completely, like probably have still uh, something here, but um, I've been here 10 years now and I, I really want a, a change of environment. So that's sort of the plan is to move, move out there and, and start building kind of a new life. Um, but, you know, the business, I think one of the things that we're doing so much more of right now is consulting for people. And um the challenge with that is you can only take on so many because right now, even though we have our whole team, the consulting aspect of it is mostly my brother and I, because we've been in this business five years and we are the people that can really explain everything and, and coach people essentially. Um, so I think a big part of what we're going to be doing over the next year plus is helping our team be able to do that same thing um, so that we can really grow. Uh, cause I think it's, it's a bit challenging to, to have, you know, teach what you know from experience to get other people to be able to teach people. I think that's a little hard. Um, but that's just my perspective though, you know, still kind of yeah. young. So. Yeah. Sounds, sounds exciting. Yeah. Sounds, sounds good. Sounds what about good. you? Yeah. What, what about you? What are your plans? Uh, keep expanding yeah i need to get a team around me because it's mainly me at the moment okay i need to um build a team to do okay. all the different stuff that i do so i'm not just doing it myself okay cool that's my yeah. plan yeah 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 that's a that you do need that for sure and do more emails of course yeah <laughs> <laughs> and what is the best way for people to contact you if they um, reach out to you to find out more about you and what you could do for them sure um so me personally i am on linkedin um and you know you can look up i'm sure you'll have my name here in this uh somewhere in this interview um, down there or up or up there okay cool so yeah they can they can definitely look i'm on linkedin um but you know the best thing is actually sign up for our email list uh my email list it's uh it's called the email revolution newsletter yeah and uh, they can sign up by going to email one, two, three dot club. And uh, that's all you type in. Don't, don't do HTTPS, www, just email one, two, three dot club. You sign yeah. up for the email revolution newsletter. That's probably the best way to stay in touch with, with, you know, to stay up to date with what we're doing and, and to hear from me personally. Um, and then you can always reply to any email I send. And that goes directly to my personal email. Um, and, and you can contact me that way. Yeah, well, I'll put that link uh, below. For sure. Awesome. And, and uh, LinkedIn, Facebook. Yes. Yeah, Chat. and I'm on both of those platforms. I'm not super active these days. I'm going to be more active, though, soon. So um, you can check me out there. Brilliant. Brilliant. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Josh. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Mike. I appreciate it as well. For sure. Lo lots of value to the listeners and the, and the viewers.
Yeah, for and, sure. Uh, I think you'll inspire a lot of people to actually, you know, make sure that email marketing, the marketing plan and their efforts are, you know, they, they step up their game, basically. I'll step up my game. 